Would you turn your Bibles to Psalm 136, please? Psalm 136. It is one of my favorites. I've got lots of favorites, but um, this is one that uh, provides um, us with interactive rendering. Uh, we will do that, Lord willing, to the end. We, we will come back and, uh, if I have enough time, if I don't preach an hour or two, then we will come and, uh, and read it together. Gratitude. Thankfulness can motivate us uh, in a great way. And one who has received much uh, is thankful, ordinarily. Maybe you saw this week uh, the story of Kate McClure. Uh, she was on her way to Philadelphia on the interstate, ran out of gas, and uh, so in a bad area, evidently, and so she got out of her car, stopped close to a, an exit, got out of her car, started walking up to the exit, and she came to a homeless man on the side of the road with a sign with money, and he looked at her like, what are you doing? He said, ma'am, get back into your car, lock the doors, I will get you gas. And so she goes back to her car, you know, heart pounding. You never know, you get, you're, you're out of gas anyway, and you never know who you're going to encounter. She gets in the car, he goes, and with what he told her, his last $20, he gets a can and gas and brings it back and fills up that, that tank enough to get her on down the road. Now that was something that she was very grateful for, but she went one step for, further. She and her boyfriend started collecting money and raised money and uh, she found him on the, the same street corner and uh, brought him some money. She, she stopped, got struck up a conversation. She and her boyfriend struck up a conversation, realized he was from North Carolina. He had been out of work for a year. He admitted he had trouble with some drugs and stuff, but he wanted to get back on his feet. And um, they, they really, because of their gratefulness, at last count had raised almost $300,000 on a GoFundMe page for him. And he was overwhelmed. He is overwhelmed. And he, you know, he vows to, to do better and to, uh, to take care of his life. But that is, uh, I, think, I would say that was thankfulness. That was gratitude. Many of us, we receive something nice, even something like this. And we say, thank you very much. And we go on our way and never think about it again. But not Kate and her boyfriend. They decided to take action to their words or to the deeds there. Um, <clears throat> You know, when we receive something great from someone and we have the means to repay, it's considered good form, politeness. Your mom taught you this. Your dad taught you this too. To repay that. You receive something, you repay. A gratefulness causes you to repay that. But what if you receive something from someone and there's no way you can repay it? There's no possible way you can return goodness or money or things there's no way how do you respond to such a great gift and here's what the psalm 136 this psalm gives to us today has been doing so for since the time of Israel it gives us the framework for understanding our God his gift for us but more importantly who he is and finally, our response to him. So let's work through it. This will help us. Let's work through 
what the psalmist says about God and our response to him. Let's begin. Psalm 136. Thankfulness. A um, couple things I want to start. Sorry. I watched my slides here. A couple words you need to know about. Yada is a word for to give thanks, but it is more uh, the idea of confessing things. We think of confessing, I did something wrong. But actually, uh, like, almost like a testimony of, of outwardly speaking of the thanks that we're giving. We confess thanks. So that's the first word when it says give as an imperative to give thanks. Yada. Um, even today in modern his, his, uh, Hebrew, they say toda. You say, you give you something, you say toda. Thank you. Now, that's used in Hebrews 13 as a, uh, in Hebrews 13 as a, um, uh, a sacrifice of thanks. But yeah, so toda. The other word you need to understand here and to remind, we've talked about before, is this word chesed, okay? So it's the idea of mercy. It's a word that we can't hardly get our arms around in English. It has mercy to it. You'll see it translated mercy. You'll see loving kindness, as in our translation here. You'll see steadfast love. It's the idea of one who is committed to this idea of mercy, loving kindness, a loyal love. Okay, so there's a commitment bound up in this idea that one is committed to loving kindness to the other. Okay, so now we got that out of the way. Um, let's go to here. Give thanks, verse 1, to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And the antiphonal part of it is, from the congregation, would be for his loving kindness is everlasting. And that's going to be our pattern. However, we're going to wait to the end to read this. So give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Think about it. God is good. We say that flippantly. But what does it mean that God is good? That he does good? Yes, he does do good. But more than that, God is good intrinsically. It is being. He is good. It's not like he had to work up to it. Or he saw, oh, that's good, so I will be good. But he is good. What he is is goodness, among other things. This goodness of God. And we try to be good, don't we? Well, most of the time. Uh, this time of year, be good for goodness sake. No. Um, some of you are good for nothing. I mean, I mean, you're good for no reason at all. You're just good. Uh, sorry. Uh, but God doesn't need an external reference to be good. We do. We need something outside of ourselves, an absolute, to say that is goodness. I will be like that. God doesn't need that. God, from God flows goodness because he is good. And the manifestation of his goodness here is his loving kindness. Hey, loving kindness, this loyal love, this committed love flows from God's goodness. He is good. And you weave in, we're in the Old Testament context, we weave in the covenant love of God that he loved Israel in such a way that he loved them, he committed himself to them. And so he loved in such a way that even when they sinned, he drew them back to himself. When they came and cried out for forgiveness, he forgave. His loving kindness is everlasting. Do you understand that the promises to Israel are still ongoing? Now, they may be in that promise where if you do as I command, you're blessed. And if you do not, if you don't obey, you're cursed. They may be still in part of that, but God will still work his eternal purposes with Israel. Romans tells us that we who follow Christ are grafted in to this. Everlasting. 
God doesn't wake up one day and say, you know, I don't think I want to keep that promise. He's good. He's everlasting. He's committed. He is good. Second verse. Give thanks to God to the God of gods for his loving kindness is everlasting. It's an interesting phrase, that God of gods. This is not to legitimate legitimate the, the gods of the world, the small g gods. It's another way of saying that he is the greatest of all those that people think of as God. He is the greatest of all of those. It recognizes that humans tend to follow their own gods. If we don't make one of our, our wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, or whatever, carve one, we make ourselves our own gods. So we worship ourselves, worship our knowledge, we worship our, um, our ability to do, get things done, and we worship ourselves. And so we take care of it. God is the greatest over all, even those gods. It goes on. He is, give thanks unto the, to the Lord of lords. Another way of saying, not only is he the greatest, but he is the mightiest. He is the mightiest of all the lords. He is ruler and master over all of the lords. This includes the lords of the earth that try to exalt themselves over him. Deuteronomy 10, 17. For the Lord your God is the God of gods, and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. Deuteronomy speaks of that. You can hear the echo of Deuteronomy in this psalm. The God of God and Lord of Lords. He is God supreme. He is Lord supreme. There is no greater. My arms aren't long enough to illustrate the height of the greatness of God and the lowliness of anything else that says that it's a God. He is overall. Whether you and I Believe it, or whether you and I live like it, he's over all. Well, I don't want him to be my God. I, I just kind of want... Don't take this wrong, but it really doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. God is. He is Lord of all. He's God of gods. And this one, who is God of gods, who is Lord of lords, is good. Have you stopped to think about recently the greatness, the mightiness, and the goodness of God? The response, the psalmist says, is to give thanks. To stand back in awe. In the Old Testament context, to fall flat on your face in awe of God and give thanks. That's the response. He is good. He is all of that. But the psalmist doesn't want to leave it there, just stating those. He wants to give illustrations. So, God of gods, Lord of lords. So how does he manifest himself? Well, he gives us the understanding in, in a, couple, a couple of verses here to understand that he is not only creator God, but he's also a rescuer God. So in the next verses, he's going to give us the God of creation and the God who is a rescuer. So let's, let's do these. Just so it's easier for us. I'm not going to put that, that next part there. His loving kindness is everlasting. We're going to go through each statement. He says of God, verse 4. To him alone who does great wonders. Now, to him alone. So we're picking up the phrase, give thanks to whom? To him alone. So understand the, just like uh, some sentences in English, the you is understood. Here it is, give thanks is understood here. 
Give thanks to him alone who does great wonders. Have thought about the wonders that you see in life, the things that we see. God alone does the greatest of these wonders. Like what we see in earth, even a fallen earth, a sinful earth, a cursed earth, God created that. Even in sin cursedness, uh, it's the beauty of God that we see. Uh, we were uh, been driving. We went on Thanksgiving Day up to uh, Caesar's Head, and just the beauty of that—incredible Maj- majesty of the mountains and the beauty of the fall leaves. We live in a wonderful area that we do get fall leaves. Unless they're, of course, in your yard. Uh, but, we, but you see the beauty of it and the gorgeousness of it. And you say, there's a, there's a God behind this. just didn't happen. Seasons. Leaves. Take a leaf. The veins in the leaf that, that pull in nutrition. The cycle of, of growing and falling. A dormant season coming back. How do you think of something like that? With no external reference. We see a leaf, oh, let's make a leaf, okay? No. God thought, engineered. He does great wonders to him, some of these wonders to him alone who made the heavens with skill. The idea of skill is with understanding. He, ma- he manufactured out of nothing, what this, this verse is saying. He manufactured out of nothing the heavens with understanding. Think about the understanding as he continues in the... The, the spreading out the earth and the waters, earth, the, the idea is, is to hammer out. The spread out is to hammer out, just to, to, to mold, to, to make it. His understanding, his skill provides there. So the earth is there and the waters are there. And doesn't, they, they, they have the perfect meeting area in the sea, or maybe the rocks and the cliffs. This one who does it spreads out. He makes the great lights, these great wonders. He alone can do this. These great lights, as we look into the sky, we see the sun that warms us. We see the moon. We see the moon that, that guides us at night on a bright, clear night. We see those. We see not only do they do those things, but uh, how those bodies in heaven affect us. The sun who warms us, who's just the right distance away from the earth to warm, but not to scorch to keep cool enough, but not to freeze. The tides, controlled by the moon and the rotation around the earth that the moon goes through. This God, the God of wonders, has done this. He rules that. The stars, I was going to add in, I forgot to do it, an, a, a picture of Saturn uh, just recently from one of the, the long-range vehicles that go out. It's just the beautiful stillness of Saturn, the rings. It's gorgeous. Well, he, he does this. He's done these great wonders. And this is our God. This is our God who does control, who does make, who does beat and hammer out and spread out the earth. This is the God. The God of loving kindness. The God of loving kindness that is everlasting. Who's committed to the, his people, the children of God. He has done this and he's provided. He is the creator God. He is the creator God. And when we set him in that context of creation, 
we see a great God who has created all things. And at a, at a moment, we begin to, to feel really small, don't we? We don't get this in our area because of just all the lights. But if you go somewhere where there's not a lot of lights at night and you have a, the sky opens up and you see the stars... If you want to think about it, you can take your iPhone and you get the sky guide and watch, you know, you can see the stars above that you don't see because of the haze and the, and the lights of, of our area. You see the beauty of God and begin to see He is great. He alone is good. He alone does these wonders. He makes them. This is the God. The God who orchestrated all the universe. See that delicate balance. I think of the psalmist also when you consider the heavens, sun, moon, and stars you have made. What is man that you're mindful of him? But yet God in his loving kindness, this God, this creator God, is committed and loyal love to us. To us who are his children. And so give thanks. Give thanks. Well, the next set of verses takes another aspect of God. Not only is he creator God, not only is he the one who spun the planets into existence, but he also is a rescuer. This guy is a rescuer. Or you might want to say it another way, a deliverer. And so now the psalmist goes back in a period of history for, um, for, the, for the Jews. Now, as you think of this, um, Rabbi Judah years ago thought that this psalm was sung at Passover. If indeed it was, this has a very uh, direct connection to this. Because you think about what's happening in this time in the history of Israel. So it's a time they're in Egypt. They've been in Egypt and it started out nice. They had food. Joseph was uh, there and helping. And then after a couple hundred years, things start to turn bad. They, they are the ones, the slaves, whether they built the pyramids or not, they are the ones who are, who are building all of those things and are making mud bricks and and doing this, and so, yeah, it's not working out so well for them. So God comes to Moses and um, calls Moses to lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land. Pharaoh thinks otherwise. And so you have the, the 12 plagues, uh, 10 plagues. Um, you have the plagues that come, and you, you have those things that, that are seemingly pretty bad for us. And bad for Egypt. And you have those plagues that, that you think that a normal human being would say, yeah, let's, let's let them go. Well, he doesn't. So this, verse 10, talks about this. To him who smote, who hit the Egyptians in their firstborn. Hmm. It's a very sobering passage here hit the Egyptians in their firstborn. Look at the phrase. The idea, the idea is smote is to strike, to smite dead. When Pharaoh resisted, that was the ultimate, the ultimate thing that God, by the death angel coming in, in Egypt, the firstborn died. As Pharaoh resisted, then he let him free. And so he and brought Israel out of their midst, the midst of Egypt, Notice who's doing this. God smote. God brought out Israel. He does so with a strong hand in verse 12. An outstretched arm. 
he's using uh, things that we can understand, the, the, the physical strength of a human, but he's giving those properties to God, a strong hand, an outstretched arm. He reaches out to bring his people from. And he continues to divide, to separate the Red Sea as they crossed over. As you look at this, this parting of the Red Sea was probably the seminal event for Israel. They escaped, but the escape that they received wasn't secure until they crossed over on the dry land to the other side. And then, as God made Israel to pass through the midst of it, he then closed it back on to Pharaoh's army. This is an event that is well rehearsed in the people reading of this time, this psalm. Well rehearsed for those who are singing this psalm as they go up. This is a story told from birth of deliverance. Story told of rescue and of release. This God who made Israel pass through the sea, he took them through it. And it's interesting, um, the word overthrow Pharaoh is, is like one... Um, you have an insect on your arm, it's to shake your arm off. I mean, it's just kind of a, a bug fly that you just shake. It's not like, you know, it's not like a hard thing. It's not a, a violent mo- moment. It's just a shake because the power of God is so much greater than the power of Pharaoh in Egypt. This one who does these great things to him, verse 16, who led his people through the wilderness. He caused them to go. The wilderness had great perils. Yes, it did. But God causes people to go through it. He guided them. He led them. And as on the way through, there were other perils. The next uh, two two verses speak of uh, of an incident that happened um, as they're passing through. Actually. To, to him who smote great kings and slew mighty kings. Sorry, next four verses. Verse 19, Sihon, the king of Amorites. So the children of Israel are passing. They're, you know, they're, it's the wilderness journey. They're passing through. They're going up the king's highway. They send a messenger to Sihon, and they say, may we pass through. They even go so far as that we will not go into your fields. We won't go into your vineyards. We won't even drink the water from your wells. We just want to go through to the other side. And the king of the Amorites said, no, nothing doing. In fact, instead of just no, they amassed an army to fight them. And God allowed Israel, by his might, to conquer the Amorites. That worked out so well that Og, the king of Bashan, thought he'd do the same. So maybe he thought that the Amorites had softened him up. I'm not sure what he was thinking. The same type of situation. Israel, these are not people that Israel were commanded to go and, and clear the land of. They're just passing through. Not like they're into Canaan and God says, clear the, the, those who are sacrificing their children to, in the fire to Molech, clearing those people out. No, these are people, they're just passing through. And they say no, and Og, same thing. Same thing. He comes out against them, and God allows them to, Israel to defeat this king and his armies. In Numbers 21, 34, 35, it, it talks of this. Here's what the Lord said to Moses. Do not fear for him, for I've given him into your hand. This is Sihon. And all of his people and his land, 
and you shall do to him as you did, oh, sorry, to Og, as you did to Sion, the king of the Amorites who lived in Heshbon. God came in two instances where pagan kings attacked Israel and lost here. Why did they lose? Why did those, were those kings defeated? They came out against God's people. And God, his loyal, committed, loving kindness, protected his people, allowed them, allowed them to be victorious. His commitment to Israel, to the people of God, is what saved them. His commitment. And on top of that, he gave those lands as a heritage to them. A heritage to Israel as servant. And he gave all of this. He rescued them from Egypt. He rescued them along the way. He released them from captivity of sin. He released them from the captivity of slavery. As we think about the wilderness journey and the reason they were, they were in the wilderness wandering in the first place. You see God's loyal love, his steadfast love, his committed love coming over and over and over again to these his people and rescuing and releasing and giving rest to them. He is a rescuer God. The psalmist says, give thanks. Give thanks because his loving kindness is everlasting and that call is to us as well to give thanks. In our present day, we who are God's children have received rescue from our sin. We've been released from that captivity. We've been set free by God's grace. Jesus himself became our rescuer when he, leaving the, the splendor of heaven, came to earth and gave himself for us as a ransom to rescue us. This is our God, our rescuer. And thanks we should give to glorify him, to to call out, to confess his goodness, to give thanks. See the imagery? Follow that imagery from, from the Passover. God passing over those who had the blood on the doorpost of their house. The Israelites passed over them, protected them from the firstborn. Now to the blood upon the cross, the release from captivity of Egypt, the release of captivity of sin. And see what he invites you. If you are not Christ's own today, if you're not a follower of Christ, how he invites you to come and to receive of him release, freedom, freedom from your sin. This is our God. His loving kindness is everlasting. Verse 23 continues, who remembered us in our lowest state. Um, kind of almost more literal um, rendition. In our humility, in our humiliation, God remembered us. In our humiliation. Think about the times of Israel when they sinned when they ran from God, when they went their own way. And here it is, they, they come back to, because of judgment, they come back to God, and they come back on their knees, and God did not kick them aside and say, no longer will I, no. He remembered them as they humbled themselves. The low estate and poetic language of Scripture. He remembered them. 
His loving kindness is everlasting. When we sin, as a child of God, we have forgiveness. We must go and ask for that. We must confess our sin. But when we do so, he is faithful and just. First John, remember? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is our God. He sees us. He remembers us in our low estate. He has rescued us from our adversaries. The words is literally tore us from the clutches of our adversaries. Adversaries could be sin, it could be Satan. We're not quite sure whether it's just re, this particular passage is going back to, again, remembering. This is kind of a new section, verse 23 on. Whether it's going back and remembering the uh, Egypt or if it's, if it's not. Regardless, he's rescued us. He's torn us from the clutches of our adversaries. Why? Because his loving kindness is everlasting. Who gives food to all flesh. Common grace. He gives food to all flesh for his loving kindness is everlasting. God's compassion. You think about God's compassion. His love for you. He doesn't love me. So you think of all the bad things that have happened to me. All the things that might have happened that he spared you from. Compassion. His loving kindness is everlasting. Cast back to the thoughts of the children of Israel, of manna, of, of quail, of all those things that he provided for them. His goodness, again, is on full display. The goodness of God. His loving kindness never fails. Verse 26, give thanks to the God of heaven for his loving kindness is everlasting. Full circle. Goodness of God, the great God above all gods, the Lord above all lords, the God of heaven. Again, establishing, if we didn't understand yet, the, the breadth of our God, the might of our God, the all-encompassing control of our God. And one final command to confess or to give thanks to God, the God of heaven. Think back to our story. They'd be led off of Kate McClure. What if the scenario had played out differently? Instead of coming back, what if Kate McClure had not come back? Not even to say thanks. Not even to repay the 20 bucks that the guy had given. If the story had gotten out, and this man's name is, is Johnny Bobbitt, if Johnny had... Uh, had, uh, if this would happen, if Kate had not been thankful, can you imagine uh, if he started telling people around, you know what, I, I helped this, this young girl, gave her my last 20, and look at the thanks I get. And what if it caught the national news also? And you and I would have been the first to condemn her. How ungrateful this man who doesn't have anything gives you his last 20 so you'd be safe and you could get home. And you didn't bother at least to give him $20 back. Well, you'd be the first to condemn wouldn't we? Yeah, I wonder how thankful we are. Our rescue has been so much more, so great a rescue. How have we responded 
to God. See, we don't have anything worth giving back to God. We can't repay him for anything. We can't give him money. We can't give him another world. We can't create that. We can't do anything but respond to him in thankfulness as his child. As an active gift of thanks, give ourselves. It doesn't merit us anything. It doesn't meet up to his gift. But it's a confession of thanks. It's a confession of our love for Christ and his saving grace in our lives. And we give thanks. I'm going to challenge you this morning. How is your thankfulness quotient? Not that there's a scale. Are you thankful? Being thankful requires us to see ourselves honestly in our humiliation as we really were before Christ came and rescued us. We're to give thanks. Recognize he's the creator God. He is the God who rescues, and he is our good God. And so we give, give thanks to him. We can sing the songs of thankfulness at this time of year, but the real response is from our hearts and then to our lips. That is our God. He is good. He is rescued. Ready to read it? Psalm 136, let's stand. I will read the first line, and you call out, for his loving kindness is everlasting. We'll do the Nasby translation on that. So, ready? Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. Uh, sorry, let me begin. It was going so nicely in my head. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. You can say it a little louder. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone who does great wonders. To him who made the heavens with skill. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule the day. The moon and stars to rule by night. To him who smote the Egyptians and their firstborn. And brought out Israel from their midst. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. For to him who smote great kings. And slew mighty kings. 
Sihon, the king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, even a heritage to Israel, his servant, who remembered us in our lowest state and has rescued us from our adversaries, who gives food to all flesh. Join me. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let's pray. Gracious God, by your mercy and by your strength, you have brought us here to see your goodness, to see your love as we sing of you. May we understand the grace that we've received, the loving kindness you have shown to us. May we know that you are good, that you're good forever. Your mercy endures, your loving kindness endures for everlasting to all generations. It's in Christ's name I pray. 